All right, let's dive right in. Hello, everybody, boys and girls, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, everyone out there. How are you? My name's Dave Neal, and I am host of the SEP. This is a, uh, hey guys, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Did you know that? It's May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. If you're uh, new to the podcast, stumble on me, never, uh, you know, just uh, strolling by. Well, hello, how are you? Comedian from Rhode Island, living out in Los Angeles. Um, you know, Tasha hasn't been on the podcast in a while, and I want everyone to know who's listening that things are okay. Everything's a-okay with Tasha and Dave. We've both just been really busy, so rather than delay the podcast to get in, you know, to get our interviews going with her. We're just doing a couple of solo episodes uh, before until we can get back on schedule because, you know, we've moved and we no longer have the same proper recording studio. We have more of a YouTube setup. And for those that are watching on the Patreon, hello, how are you? This is a Patreon uh, video version of the episode. The rest uh, of everyone out there is on audio. Yeah. So no, and no one is, no one has wondered if Tasha's okay. Everyone sees on social media, she's out there doing her thing, but you know, it's just, it's been I've decided to stop recording podcast episodes on Sundays because here here's what happens it starts to feel like work and it's not it's a conversation between me and you guys it's not work at all I really enjoy these conversations but when you have a deadline for Monday morning or Sunday evening it becomes you know like 99% of the podcast were being recorded on Sunday afternoons and then immediately getting edited and this and that and it just became that last thing to do on the weekend and I don't want that to be the case I want to carve out the appropriate amount of time to talk to you guys out there, and I hope everybody is doing well. As I mentioned, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Let me pull up the tab for the Patreon members here. Mental Health Awareness Month, which, by the way, I just celebrated my 36th birthday on May 1st, and this is the first time I've become privy to the knowledge that it is mental health awareness mental health awareness month so this is a this is a good thing but what does it say that for 36 years i had no idea that the mental health awareness month was my birth month so now we know so we're going to talk a little bit about ways that we can uh you know embrace who we are the spirit the soul and come to terms with that so we're stopping this rat race you know, it's okay to be motivated. It's okay to shoot for your dreams. But sometimes it's like, at what cost? At what cost? You're going bald. Your hair's gray. Whatever the case may be. You're you're uh, you're gaining all this weight because you're sitting down at the office all day long. And you're cranking out work. And it's like, we need to normalize feeling good. We need to normalize taking a break. And, you know, you see these memes out on Instagram where they're like, normalize that free time doesn't mean time to do your side project or whatever the case may be. And it's like, geez, preach it to me, sister. Are you kidding me? I wake up at 6 a.m. and I just run nonstop trying to do things because we live in such a hustle culture. And then that the second you get a break, you go to take a shit. The second you go to take a, you know, bathroom break, you get on your Instagram and you start seeing everyone else's highlight reels and then you feel like you're uh, you're in last place. And I'm here to tell you guys, that's just not normal. That's not how it should be. We should be okay with our relaxation. We should be okay with providing a space to take a nap if we need one. And it doesn't mean we're lazy if we just need to check in with ourselves, give ourselves a hug, whatever it may be. I say this to you guys, but trust me when I say that I have to tell myself this too. You know, Tasha and I 
we're trying to get back into a few different ways that we can improve our, our own health. One of which is going to the chiropractor, which we've been going to this chiropractor. Um, we started, we did like 10 weeks in a row, but now we're kind of spacing it out. Cause obviously it is you know, sort of expensive. You know, it adds up. It's like 50 bucks a visit. So it's not that much, but it adds up over time. So we're like, all right, let's keep on getting our adjustments. Cause you know, I was in a bad accident and I've had neck problems and all that jazz. So let's keep getting our adjustments and, um, whether or not it's quack science, whether it is really working. I mean, who's to say, right. But, uh, it feels like it's been good. It feels like it's been good to, uh, you know, whenever they do the manipulation where they like, they'll, they'll crack my shoulder back into place. They'll snap my neck. They're doing all these like Steven Seagal maneuvers on me. It feels good. It feels like, uh, it feels like I'm doing something productive for the body. Cause you know, like I've got my, my stepdad just got his hip replaced and God bless him, but he just doesn't take care of himself. He said his knee replaced his hip replaced. He's got, he had like a bad lung and it's like, dude, man, come on, come on. What's the point? What's the point of all this stuff that we're doing? If we can't play with our grandkids, if we can't go for a walk with our wife when we're on vacation, it's heartbreaking. So the idea is how, and it's not like his mental health is any better. I use him as an example because he's so close to me and I love him to death, but it's like, how can we normalize telling people when we need like a mental break, a holiday, you know, whatever, whatever that, whatever we need. I used to have, I have an aunt who lives in Los Angeles. She's been out here for years and she would come back to visit us in Rhode Island. And she would always complain about the energy of the place when she visited because, you know, house full of a lot of people and it would be stressful for her. And I actually kind of understand it now when I go back, when you, when you get, when you build like a little serenity, like when you kind of protect your energy and then you go into a frantic place, we've all got those friends who's like parents fight or like, or your friend maybe, you know, maybe in a relationship, they just fight nonstop. And it's like, yikes. It's just constant warfare. And there's something, there's something about that that I think the brain likes, knowing there's conflict and then resolution and this and that. And, you know, Tasha and I, we have that problem too, where we'll fight a lot over mundane things. And I'm like, honey, we need to operate under the, under the, the knowledge that we're trying the best to help each other out, that we're a team. I think that's what's the beautiful thing about marriage. You know, we're still engaged. We're not married yet. We're waiting, you know, trying to find a venue that we can do this thing in and be safe and all that. But that's one of the beautiful things about that commitment is that I don't, I don't want, like, I don't want the relationship to wonder whether or not my investments are for me or for me and Tasha, whether or not my time spent working. It's like, no, it's all, it's all a collective. We're in it together. If I'm working hard and something pays off over here, or if you're working hard and something pays off over there, we are going to celebrate and rejoice in each other's spoils. But here's the problem that I notice, at least in my life, and maybe you guys too, I don't know, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, which wh- what you factor into, but when it comes to love language, I'm constantly trying to be out and about, winning something over, slaying the saber-toothed tiger, the woolly mammoth, so I can bring home the bacon. Constantly, the only way I can wrap around showing love is to provide. And that's it. And, uh, you know, it translates in different ways, but paychecks come in. I can go take my lady out to dinner. I can provide. I can provide. Like, it's so archaic, but it's, I think it's important, but that's how I show my love. And, and with Tasha, I feel like she receives it with like time spent together in, in a little bit of a different way. And it is just a different scenario. And maybe 
maybe for the most part, men are hardwired this way because we had to go out there and fight the battle and, and kill the deer and bring it home and, and, you know, this and that. And I don't know. I don't know what the case may be. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a evolutionary biologist, you know, so I don't know what's, uh, sort of me, um, <clears throat> thinking that, uh, you know, waxing poetic on a, uh, on how, on how the gender traits are or what, I have no idea. But, uh, with Tasha and myself, it's, it's about, all right, how, like, let's assume work is like, you know, let's make it something simple. Like imagine if your job is to keep the train moving on the tracks. So for me, for my YouTube career, for stand-up comedy, it's like, I got to keep the train on the tracks. So my job is to shovel coal into that furnace. And if I can shovel three shovels in a minute into that furnace, uh, 60 minutes an hour, whatever it may be, I got the supply chain management down. That's what I got to do to get this train where it needs to go. Well, that doesn't save any, like I never factor in, all right, well, let's take a break. You know, like I, I need, I almost need my own union rep for me. I need my own union rep to tell me when to stop. And it can't be Tasha, you know, Tasha's like, oh, we should take a break, you know, or not, not a, you know, we should take a break from work or go on a quick vacation. Like if it were up to me, that would never happen. I would just work myself into the ground. So I guess the, the question is, is like, where's the healthy balance? I got a bunch of tabs pulled up here. If you're uh, watching on the Patreon, just follow along. So I'll read a couple different tabs here. It's mental health awareness month, how to treat yourself with some self care. And I'm not saying you know, of course, women need to hear this too, but men, we need to really normalize self-care. We need to really normalize taking care of our bodies, taking care of our minds. Obviously, mass shootings, domestic violence, like the the the, the majority of it all is men that just don't know how to communicate. And it's like 2021, bro, we need to figure this out. So, um, you know, they give some different recommendations on how to have self-care. They have a self-care spa day, um, which is something, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know if men, I don't know, I don't know. Do you ever take a bath? Do you ever just take a bath and put some music on? And, you know, maybe it's different. Maybe, maybe you know, sometimes hobbies are a way to unwind, to, to do something meditative. Like you might have a garage where you design stuff or whatever. Like there, there's absolutely a, med- a meditation that can come from doing uh, sort of um, redundant tasks. And some people play video games and that's the meditation just to take a load off, play some video games and sort of relax that that part of your brain that thinks nonstop. Uh, skip the cooking and the cleaning. Nothing says comfort like your favorite feel-good meal from your favorite restaurant. So so uh, these are these are ideas. But I Take yourself on a date. Okay, I think these are fine. Cuddle up with a book or movie. I don't know. Do we? I, is anyone even reading books? I think, that, I think the thing out there with when it comes to self-love is and we'll talk about this, is finding a way to to get away from your device. It's the devices. It's the Instagram on your phone. It's, it's It's the Tinder that you're constantly checking up on to see if, you know, it's these slot machines on our phone that that is what's pulling out of, pulling us out of the moment. Connect with yourself through meditation. Show yourself some love by getting close with your thoughts and feelings. Meditation apps like Headspace and Simple Habit can help users check in with themselves and relieve stress. Put your love on paper. Uh, Donna Cardillo, nurse, motivational speaker, and author of Falling Together, How to Find Balance, Joy, and Meaningful Change When Your Life Seems to Be Falling Apart, suggests writing a love letter to yourself this year. That's a hard one that you'll get. That'll be hard to get guys to do. Start with an endearing salutation. Praise and recognize your life and value and sign it with affection. I love the idea of this. I love the idea of treating yourself with like the respect. I almost feel like 
we you would think this would come off as very like egocentric to be like imagine if if you if you know imagine if I'm a celebrity and you found it I wrote a love letter to myself you'd be like geez what is wrong with this person but the idea of like cherishing your mind body and soul and I think that's what it comes down to is breaking it down to mind body and soul give a gratitude log a try expressing gratitude regularly is thought to make you feel happier which is why review.com's Lindsay Vickers gave gratitude journaling a shot by writing down things she she she's thankful for every night nothing changed my sleep and overall mood as much as gratitude journaling it took a week or so for me to see any effect but after that the difference was practically palpable i was happier as i dozed off stayed asleep longer and experienced fewer nightly interruptions you know we got a new tv so we had to put the the other TV in the bedroom. And I was like, oh, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Cause we're going to put the TV on and we're going to fall asleep to survivor. And we're not, and we're not letting, you know, the last thing we should have going through our mind is all that loving energy that we experienced that day. Tasha for Christmas got me the I am journal. I believe it's called I am. Hold on. I need a sip of uh, water here. Hold on. In the journal, I used to write, I've, I've written in maybe 10, 10 or 12, maybe even more different journals. I've, I, I used to have a stack of them pretty much in my single days. You know, I, I'd write in my journal and uh, gratitude mainly, things I was looking for in life, uh, things I was asking for, whether it's a God or myself or the universe, whatever, whatever that energy is, just putting it out there on paper, things I'm asking for, things I'm trying to do. Well, the I Am Journal, and you guys know I've talked about this, and don't get me wrong, we totally shit the bed on this uh we we've probably only done several weeks worth in in the uh, five months that we've had it uh but we started it around new year's and you say you know what you're grateful for you know it gives you a couple pages to list things that you're grateful for what you're what you're hoping for and what you're going to do to get it guys i'm telling you this my income my youtube reach everything it might have it might have all been clicking already, but once I started that journal, it went through the moon because I basically was able to say out loud and write on paper exactly what I was hoping to do, which, you know, you can boil down everything I want to do into, I want to reach a global audience. I want to make them laugh. I want to make everyone feel good. I want to feel good as everyone feels good. I want to, I want to help everyone communicate better. But, you know, laughter is such an important part of that because when you can laugh, you come to an agreement on something. You are laughing because you all understand the truth within whatever it is we find funny. So for me, laughing while we talk about, um, you know, negative experiences or laughing while we talk about struggles we've had, that to me is the glue that bonds us all and, and, and shows us all that while we all have different skin suits, these meat suits we wear, we're actually all struggling with the same thing to be, to be, um, you know, as an identity, we're struggling with our identity and, and to try to belong in a society that, uh, you know, sometimes works for us, sometimes works against us. So when I started that journal, man, it, I couldn't believe within January, if you looked at my YouTube stats, it just went through the roof. Things started going through the roof. Maybe, maybe I was kind of culminating on like my own authenticity. Like maybe I was just finally saying enough of the words into the microphone that that audiences started to believe them and it came off better. I couldn't tell you what it is. I don't quite know how to separate what I feel as a comedian telling jokes on stage versus what might be a little bit more spiritual in the podcast, just in the sense that 
I'm, I'm, I try to break things down and probably be a little bit more introspective on the podcast, but it all started to come together in a way that just was blowing my mind. I mean, it brought me to tears talking to Tasha about how incredible it was that after, you know, a decade of always wondering what that next side job is, now I felt like I had a life raft. I felt like I wasn't sinking. I felt like I had a point. I felt, you know, I feel like things are all connecting. The YouTube's you know, gone from 2,000 subscribers to 30,000 subscribers. And it has more views than channels that have hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So the idea to reach a larger market, something smells funny, sorry. <laughs> what the hell is that? It smells like something's burning. All right, that's going to be it for me, folks. Just burn the whole house down. All right, can you imagine my last episode is me just uh, talking about all the things I got in life, and then it's like, well, the YouTuber burns his kitchen down. He didn't stop live streaming, though. But anyway, you guys get the point. You get the point that um, that there is a path to achieve all that you want without burning the candle from both ends of the wick. Now, I don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't pursue your passions as hard as possible, but... It might be every day, it might be once a week or once a month, but when you feel like it's time to take a break, when you feel like you put too much on your plate, know when to walk away from that. All right, folks. So anyway, so this is, this is just what it comes down to. It comes down to learning to, to read the room, learning to read the soul, and that's what mental health is all about. Because I don't care. You see people that are on, their, on, their, on the fritzes. You see people that are just like, barely holding it together. And it's like, I'm not saying have a breakdown in a CVS, but like, just get real, man. Get real. How, I mean, you know, we dust, we, we, we will, we'll take our car to a car wash, but we won't, uh, you know, like spill our emotions. And it's like, imagine the dirt that's on the uh, windshields of your soul. You know what I mean? That it just collects. You got to exhaust that. I don't know if it's through chiropractory. So the point is, is that Tasha and I for, um, uh, last week, I I, uh, I could tell she was having a rough go. She was having a rough go. She was working hard, and you could just tell she just felt like she didn't see like the end in sight, you know? So I, I booked us um, a couple of Thai massages, which is amazing because they're like 50 bucks, you know what I mean? It's, you know, to to give yourself a massage. I mean, I went my whole 20s. I, I didn't get my first massage till this relationship. So I went I went all this time without getting a massage. And it's like, all right, it's 50 bucks. It's 30 bucks. You can get one for 30 or 20. You know what I mean? You can get... And just to have somebody work out that tension, stand on your back, do what they do. They're professionals. It's like, this should be mandatory in our, in our world. It should be mandatory to go out there and get your body taken care of because imagine the type of um, toxicity you're spreading to others if you're pent up and got all that anger and all that jazz. So anyway, let's go down the list here. I got some tabs. The Social Dilemma. Of course, you guys have seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. This is not... This is not that, but it's the same sort of theory. Social media and your mental health. Like it or not, using social media can cause anxiety, depression, and other health challenges. How can you change your habits? So we're not going to get rid of our phones. It's just not going to happen. We just need to be better equipped at how we manage our phones. I mean, you wouldn't go to the bar and just order 50 drinks and drive home. But instead, you might spend five hours on Instagram feeling like crap. You know, if Instagram and Facebook, wouldn't this be great? If it would, if they charged you by the hour, 
Wouldn't that be nice? That way you could just be like, oh boy, I'm not going to be on this thing for three hours today. No way. Not going to get, not going to spend, you know, cause like it'd be like drinks cost money. So you kind of have to limit how much you can drink. There's like an economics behind it, but social media is free. They want to keep you on it. They want to keep those eyes just peeled onto that screen. So the social media platform, Instagram made headlines last year for suppressing likes in an effort to curb the comparisons and hurt feelings associated with attaching popularity to sharing content. But do these efforts combat mental health issues or are they simply applying a Band-Aid to a wound? So they were trying to disassociate, you know, the feeling that, that, that high that you get when things work out well or what they call a bomb, you know, which we call in the stand-up world when a joke bombs, it means it didn't do well. On social media, if, uh, if something bombs, it means like the algorithm didn't pick it up. And of course, that's the opposite feeling. You worked so hard to get a photo posted and this and that, and all of a sudden it gets 10 likes and you're like, what the hell, what's going on in my life? And you know, I mean, people, so many people's employment is tied to your social media. So many healthcare, like, uh, you know, fitness coaches and bloggers. I mean, there really are a lot of podcasters. I mean, it's, there are a lot of people whose jobs and livelihood are tied to their performance on social media. And yet it's so hard to find a sort of consistent happiness on there that, I mean, it's one thing to bomb telling a joke. It's another to bomb and know that your bills aren't being paid because you couldn't figure out how to, uh, how to manage your social media. Um, so Jacqueline Sperling, a psychologist at McLean hospital who works with youth who experience anxiety disorders about Instagram's recent restrictions said, even if you remove the likes, there continues to be opportunities for comparisons and feedback. People still can compare themselves to others and people still can post comments. It's kind of like when, uh, when little leagues decided to stop, you know, keeping score so the kids wouldn't be upset. And it's like, the kids know what the score is. The risks for the reward. Social media has a reinforcing nature. Using it activates the brain's reward center by releasing dopamine, a feel-good chemical linked to pleasurable activities such as sex, food, and social interaction. The platforms are designed to be addictive and are associated with anxiety, depression, and even physical ailments. According to the Pew Research Center, 69% of adults and 81% of teens in the U.S. use social media. This puts a large amount of the population at an increased risk of feeling anxious, depressed, or ill over their social media use. But what makes users come back for more even when it can literally make them feel sick? When the outcome is unpredictable, the behavior is more off, more likely to repeat. Think of a slot machine. If game players knew they never were going to get money by playing the game, then they, would, then they never would play. The idea of a potential future reward keeps the machines in use. The same goes for social media sites. One does not know how many likes a picture will get, who will like the picture, and when the picture will receive likes. The unknown outcomes and the possibility of a desired outcome can keep users engaged with the site. To boost self-esteem and feel a sense of belonging in their social circles, people post content with the hope of receiving positive feedback. Couple that content with the structure of potential future reward, and you get a recipe for constantly checking platforms. When reviewing other social activity, people tend to make comparisons such as, did I get as many likes as someone else? Or why didn't this person like my post, but this other person did? They're searching for validation on the internet that serves as a replacement for meaningful connection they might otherwise make in real life. FOMO. Fear of missing out also plays a role. If everyone else is using social media sites and if someone doesn't join in, there's concern that they'll miss jokes, connections, or invitations. Missing experiences can create anxiety and depression. When people look online and see they're excluded from an activity, it can affect thoughts and feelings and can affect them physically. So it's like just telling someone, oh, quit social media. Well, then they're going to feel ostracized. 
2018 British study tied social media use to decreased, disrupted, and delayed sleep, which is associated with depression, memory loss, and poor academic performance. Social media use can affect users' physical health even more directly. Researchers know the connection between the mind and the gut can turn anxiety and depression into nausea, headaches, muscle tension, and tremors. The digital age of vulnerability. The earlier teens start using social media, the greater impact the platforms have on mental health. This is especially true for females. While teen males tend to express aggression physically, females do so relationally by excluding others and sharing hurtful comments. Social media increases the opportunity for such harmful interactions. Sperling offers the example of a seventh grader whose best friend chooses a new best friend and posts pictures of the pair at the movies or on a weekend trip. 20 years ago, the girl may have been excluded from her best friend's activities, but she may not have known about it until she was told explicitly. In addition to providing young people with a window through which they can view missed experiences, social media puts a distorted lens on appearances in reality. Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat increase the likelihood of seeing unrealistic filtered photos at a time when teen bodies are changing. Oh, the filter game in today's world is just insane. I mean, everyone's got filters. The fact that you put a filter on a story before you even shoot the story is bananas that we're doing this. It's been, it should be illegal. It should be illegal. You know, anyway, it's just, it's just insane. And the way I can relate to this, a feeling I feel as a, I believe a relatively enlightened person to a degree, we're all in the spectrum, is if I go on Instagram, I see stand-up show flyers that other comedians are on. So I can see 20 flyers in a row. I'm, I'm sure your Instagrams aren't this way if you don't, if you're not a comic, but maybe it's, you know, you've got, maybe you've got the same vibe with whatever your networking circle is but within stand-up comedy all we're doing is trying to get stage time stage time makes you better performing on good stages is a chance to perform in front of audiences it's a chance to get better so when i flip through instagram and i see other comics that are killing it i immediately start looking to see their see who's what names are on the show lineup and it doesn't even matter if it's a bad show i'm just stewing i'll be on vacation in thailand and i'll be looking at instagram you know and i don't do this too often but i i, I don't I don't have an ability, at least I haven't learned how to not feel bad looking at that. What I've learned to do is to just stop looking at that. Know when I'm scrolling too much and be like, all right, Dave, let's get back to, get, let's get off Instagram. That's you know, a little too much peer-to-peer -peer comparisons. Stay in your own lane type of vibe. In the past, teens read magazines that contain altered photos of models. Now these images are one thumb scroll away at any given time. Apps that provide the user with airbrushing, teeth whitening, and more filters are easy to find and easier to use. Middle school already is challenging. So we get the, we get the point, right? How can platforms change? I think we need to take a step back and look at the role technology is playing in our society as a whole. In terms of people needing instant gratification, staying home and not interacting in the community by going to local stores or to the movie theater, even dating apps can decrease motivation for single adults to approach others in the community if they think they can connect with them on an app. Um, in addition to limiting likes, as Instagram has done, Sperling suggests social platforms consider decreasing mass sharing altogether. They might function more as messaging services by highlighting one-on-one -on -one communication. So here's the problem. All the ways that are good for mental health aren't good for apps to flourish. Apps, they, they, they feed off the virality of it all. Distract yourself from the distraction. People aren't usually motivated to change their social media use by simply hearing it's bad for them. It's better for individuals to see what their limits are. It's probably unrealistic for most social media users to quit completely. However, they can monitor their behavior to see how their use impacts them and how to act as a result. I guess that's what I've been doing. Um... 
So ground rules. If I was to continue using social media, I had to learn what would trigger my anxiety and how using different platforms made me feel. The result was deleting Snapchat for good. And after five years, she still doesn't miss it. She's still active on other social media platforms. That's great. So if you realize that's that Instagram or Snapchat or Clubhouse or whatever it is, once you realize that that is what's triggering your anxiety, guys, don't torture yourself. Get off of it. Um, like for me, I'm like YouTube, YouTube's great because I interact with my audience on YouTube, but it's also good for my platform. So I'm able to see when things perform well. So I'm not like super obsessive. I can get obsessive looking at the stats. I'm a numbers guy, but I'm not obsessive in the sense that I don't let any fighting take place. I don't, um, I don't engage with people too often where like there's a back and forth. It's just very pleasant. And I think that's okay. The studies researchers looked at, okay, so I think, I think we get an idea from that on how to figure out social media, you know, and again, look, we're not going to solve people's mental health problems with a podcast, but it's so crazy how, when you do shine light on a dark scenario, it's the greatest disinfectant. Sunlight's the greatest disinfectant, right? So by shining light on what's causing your anxiety, you're actually, there's actually, um, you, you, you realize it. You start to realize, oh, let's avoid that road. Um, so real quick here, warning signs and symptoms for mental health problems. So like, how can you figure out that you're starting to spiral out of control before you have a full-blown panic attack or something else? Uh, here's what I've learned about people. I think for the most part, people are way more brave and um, strong than, than they let on. And we're able to withstand way more punishment than we really should. So a lot of times we, we will torture ourselves for the sake of like staying motivated, staying, you know, persistent, whatever. We'll torture ourselves when the solution was telling us no way sooner. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's a, it's a good thing that, that for the most part, humanity has this high threshold for pain, but, uh, but also that doesn't help us in the long run. Yeah, sure, if you're running a marathon or something, you don't want to quit, right? You want to get through it. There's a finish line. But in so much of our day-to-day, we just want to keep trudging along. And the solution is resting. The solution is getting our our brain, our mental health, our soul together, or else we're just going to be a shell of who we want to be to somebody else. So each illness has its own symptoms, but common signs of mental illness in adults and adolescents can include the following. Excessive worry or fear, feeling excessively sad or low, confused thinking or problems concentrating and learning, extreme mood changes, including uncontrollable highs or feelings of euphoria, prolonged or strong feelings of irritability or anger, avoiding friends and social activities, difficulties understanding or relating to others, changes in sleep habits or feeling tired and low energy. Changes in eating habits such as increased hunger or lack of appetite, changes in sex drives, difficulty perceiving reality, delusions or hallucinations in which a person experiences or senses things that don't exist in objective reality, inability to perceive changes in one's own feelings, behaviors, or personality, lack of insight, overuse of substances like alcohol or drugs, because of course, mental health is not just the social media and the toxicity and the things we consume, it's the literal uh, physical ad- addictions we can we can use to mask the other problems. Multiple physical ailments without obvious causes, headaches, stomach aches, vague and ongoing aches and pains, thinking about suicide, inability to carry out daily activities or handle daily problems and stress, intense fear of weight gain or concern with appearance, 
And this, of course, different levels to mental health. But when we're talking about awareness, if there's a five-tier system, you might only be on problem tier number one. So there's plenty you can do to fix things. There's plenty you can do to go make your bed. There's plenty of, of resources online and podcasts that can help motivate you to kind of get your life together. And sometimes when there's so many issues that seem overwhelming, you just don't even make your bed and then it piles up and it's a game of Tetris. So instead of getting that one level of Tetris done, you pile up and you pile up until it's just like, uh, you know, game over. So mental health conditions can also begin to develop in young children because they're still learning how to identify and talk about thoughts and emotions. Their most obvious signs are behavioral. uh, Systems in children may include the following. Symptoms in children may include the following. Changes in school performance, excessive worry or anxiety. For instance, fighting to avoid better school. Hyperactive behavior, frequent nightmares, frequent disobedience or or aggressions, frequent temper tantrums. So the point is, is that everyone suffers in some way or another from thoughts of anxiety and fear. I, 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 I lean more towards anxiety than I do towards fear. Like I, I'll, I'll, um, overanalyze things and talk about them and annoy people around me. Cause I'll just, I'll obsess about things because I can't control the outcome. And then usually when I actually do what it is I was obsessing about, it's way less painful than the sort of, um, rigmarole I put myself under in the first place. All right, so for the men out there, I think the podcast is pretty split men and women. And maybe this is for ladies. You want to share this with your men? Men, you know, for the most part, again, don't mean to generalize, but a lot of stoicism in the male world. You know, ladies, you know, people like to call it toxic masculinity. I don't love this term. Like, I I get the term, but I don't love it because I do believe that it exists, but um, I wouldn't necessarily think it's like, something men just put on themselves. I think it's just a hierarchical thing that exists in society where men have been, you know, needed to put a brave face on. They needed to put a brave face on, not show fear in war, whatever, you know, issues in the, in the past that have happened and just need to like man up, sack up, man up, cowboy up. It's always like just suppress, suppress, suppress. And that might help on the battlefield, whatever your battlefield might be. That might help when you're renegotiating your salary, when you're fighting whatever war you're fighting. But man up, sack up, cowboy up, that's not the solution that's going to release whatever you're feeling on the inside. That's not the, that's not the long-term solution. So this article on Healthline.com, Man 2.0, Normalizing Self-Care for Men. It goes deeper than just feeling good. It's how we impact everyone around us. This is Man 2.0, a call for an evolution in what it means to identify as a man. We share resources and encourage vulnerability, self-reflection, and empathy from us to our fellow man in partnership with every man. This year has easily been the most stressful and difficult year of my life, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one to make that claim. This is an article I'm reading. In particular, the last two months have been simply overwhelming. Amid COVID-19 and great social unrest, my wife and I moved our family across the country. Oh my gosh, moving is the worst. The stress of it all has created a cascade of discomfort. For me, it has meant a near-complete abandonment of what I normally do to take care of myself. Up until two weeks ago, I had gained more weight than felt healthy for me. My meditation cushion had gone unused for weeks, and I was stuck in a zone of frantic action. In these times of high stress, my faulty logic tells me, get more done, figure it out, tackle the problems. You can take time to move your body, rest your mind, and recharge when all is clear. 
yeah, that's kind of that same vibe of like that fight or flight, like, all right, sack up, man up, worry about it later. And it's like, okay, all right. The problem with that logic is that it never works that way. I never quite seem to get to number four. Instead, the cycle perpetually endlessly be because there's always more to do. Sound familiar? Two weeks ago, I caught myself and did a gut check. I've pulled myself out of similar patterns before, and I knew that I needed to force myself to employ more loving and helpful logic. This logic says, look around and assess how you're impacting your family, your business, and your health. Take care of yourself. Reassess and take action in life from a more grounded, calm, and present state. Repeat. So I did it. I cleared my calendar for a chunk of time each day. I forced myself outside for an hour of exercise. I found my rhythm with my meditation practice, and I almost immediately saw results. I've begun to lose the extra weight. I'm much more pleasant to be around, and I feel far more capable and confident. This is great. But what's even more meaningful to me is that I can literally see the impact this has had on my wife, my kids, and my business. It's a direct and arguably positive impact on all those around me. I can take care of very little when I'm not taking care of myself. So when men don't reach out, uh, so, you know, we've all got friends like that. Some of my good friends, you, you can tell they're struggling, but they're not reaching out. Uh, up to 65% of men say they avoid going to the doctor for as long as possible and only go when they fear serious illness. It's even more dire when it comes to mental health. Depression and suicide are a leading cause of death among men, and men are the least likely to reach out. Uh, I've, uh, so so um, what to do when men don't reach out? There are three truths for all men. Uh, in order to help flip this paradigm, I've come up with three truths to share with men about caring for themselves. Your intentions count less than your actions. Oh, very interesting. Check in with your list of intended and desired actions. Maybe it includes going to the gym, taking a weekend break to relax, or dropping an old habit that doesn't fit anymore. It's pretty remarkable that most of us already know exactly what we need to do to be healthy and feel better. Nobody benefits, you included, from your intentions alone. Your family and community benefit from the results when you take action. Get yourself some accountability, like a committed gym buddy or a friend who, who can cheerlead for you, then make a clear decision to act. Your stress leaks out. You might be able to live with the amount of stress you're carrying, but take some time to see how it impacts those around you. You can go so far as to ask them their opinion. Try asking your spouse, how would your life be different if I was healthier and less tense? You can say to a coworker, can I ask you for some personal feedback? Can you tell when I'm stressed or worn out? How does it impact you when I am? If these are scary questions to ask, a good men's group like those offered at Every Man can be the perfect place to, for reflection. A caring community can provide valuable feedback on how you show up and impact others. Number three, you deserve to feel good. Let me say that again for the men out there and the ladies, for anybody. You deserve to feel good. This one is deep. And not many men have the capacity to let this one sink in. I usually use a logical trick to bring this one home. I'll ask a man, is there anyone in your life that you think doesn't deserve to be healthy and feel good? I've only ever heard one, one answer. Of course not. I followed, I followed up with, why would you be the only single person you know that doesn't deserve this? Usually I get a deep, meaningful silence and sometimes a tear or two. A call to self-care. It's an important topic that goes deeper than just feeling good or improving a man's life. It has everything to do with how men impact others around them. A man taking care of himself can be a radical act of service to others, and a mainstream movement of healthy men could literally change the world for the better. Men, here's a permission you've been waiting for. Go take care of yourselves. That's the end of, the, uh, that's the end of that article. Go take care of yourselves. I think it's fantastic. And again, you know, that article was written to men by a man, but 
goes to ladies too. goes to moms out there. You know, moms, you know, there's always advice for moms, you know, about how like you need to just keep on like, you know, uh, making sure you take time to yourself. I know, I know we've got good friends that had a baby a couple months ago and they're taking a weekend vacation this week and the baby's taken care of and they're just taking care of themselves. You need to realize that your identity is not propped up by helping others if you can't first take care of yourself. And I think in part of, you know, when we talk about uh, mental, uh, mental, uh, when we talk about mental health awareness, we talk about the idea that you don't need to put on a brave face if you're not feeling strong because you're not fooling anybody and you're just giving off a bad version of who you are. So I hope people can learn and I hope our country and our society can learn to, you know, quit punching the clock so much. You know, like I, I work hard, but I also, I, I do mentally, like I do burn myself out. But I think the pandemic has taught me to take a lot more time off I probably go to bed earlier. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily work as hard, even though even though I might be more successful now. And I think the lesson there is that um, uh, work like sweat, like sweating, you know, working hard and sweating and getting br- bruises and bloody and like that's not always the smartest way to treat yourself. That's not an indication of like who you are. In some jobs, that's what happens. Some jobs, you you, you work hard, you get sweaty, you bruise yourself. And all that. And then there's some that, you know, you might work less, you might work smarter, and you might take more personal time. My goal is to not be a grandfather who can't swing my grandkids over my head. My goal is to be a provider, but also to show others that there's a way to live that doesn't, that isn't um, sort of um, empowered by fear and guilt and pressure. And I know I feel that now as my YouTube is growing. I always said, if I could just get to, you know, if I could replace my side income with my YouTube income, then then I'll be happy. And then I started making money on YouTube and I go, well, I need to keep making money. I need to make more money because I can't let this thing go away. And it's this weird scarcity principle that I have that keeps me sort of obsessively pushing to the next level. And I think that is a trait that exists in a lot of successful people. But I think learning to turn that trait off and go, I am enough. I have enough. I want to share it. I am provided for. I am, I am healthy. I am okay. You know, one of the things I'm hoping to start tonight, I think May 3rd right now, one of the things I'm hoping to start tonight is I've really let down, I've let myself down with my yoga practice. When I lived in New York, I would go to yoga a couple times a week and boy, whoo, I was never good at it. But boy, did I get a good workout in. And it's hard. It's hard to get out to the gym to do yoga. I'd much rather put a podcast in and go for a long jog. Yoga's challenging. Yoga's challenging because there's constant movement. You're focused on your breath. You really have to just focus on your body. And it's a gift. And at the end of yoga, a lot of yoga teachers will say, thank yourself. Thank yourself for taking the time to work on your body, to work on who you are, your flow, your chi, you know, so I think for May, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start looking on YouTube and see if I can find a good yoga person I like, because we just got our backyard set up and we got the AstroTurf and it's kind of pretty out there and maybe like 6.30 PM tonight before the sun's going down the final hour when it's nice and cool and the birds are chirping. How about 45 minutes of yoga? How about laying on that mat, stretching the body, being thankful and just living every day as if it's a gift. I mean, it, it sounds 
so hokey to say that, but I hope you guys can do the same. I hope you can understand that working hard and slaving away is not always the path to ultimate success. And there's always enough hours in the day to balance it all out. And I hope, I, I, I hope that for everybody. If you're listening to this episode and you want to check out the private Patreons, I do a lot of solo episodes and extra uh, video episodes like this episode. There's a video version on the Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash this app and check out all my other content on YouTube. Patreon's at patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. And if you just want to donate, uh, you can go to my Venmo at Neils or of course the uh, PayPal. All that information to donate is on the sexactuallypodcast.com page, sexactuallypodcast.com. I want to thank you guys so much for uh, hearing me out, for listening to me uh, rant and rave about mental health awareness. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it this month. It's a practice. There's no solutions to controlling the demons within your head. Just know every day it's a practice keeping your own room clean. And sometimes it gets messy and that's okay. Just take the time to reorganize, regroup, readjust, and you will be a better man or woman or However you identify as, you'll be better to those you surround yourself with. So thank you guys so much for wishing me a 36th birthday. I appreciate everyone out there so, so much. That's the episode. Bye-bye now.